Hello, and welcome back to another edition of the Emerald Sports Podcast. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Shane Hoffman, and today I'm joined by Chris Brule. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Good beer, as always. Ready to talk some Ducks basketball. That's right. We're talking Ducks basketball today. It's been a while. Um, we talked, I think, right as the season was starting, right before Pac-12 play a little bit. Um, we both actually picked the Ducks to win the conference, and so that ended up working out. Uh, they beat... Um, Oregon State on Sunday night uh, to, 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 to wrap up the conference at 19 and five. Um, Chris, for starters, let's talk about that last game. The, uh, the Ducks downed uh, Oregon State with a three-point barrage. I think 15 for 23 was the number. Um, just ridiculous um, display of shooting. What were your thoughts on that game? And then and talk a little bit about, I guess, your takeaways from the Ducks winning the conference. That's four in the last six years now. Yeah, um, well, to start with the the game against Oregon State, you know, that was a wire-to-wire victory. They never trailed. Like you said, three-point barrage. But I think the most important thing from that game, at least in my eyes, is seeing Will Richardson get his shot back. Um, he missed a lot, majority of the season. He played the last 12 games. And at the beginning, you know, coming off thumb surgery on a shooting hand, it, it's going to take some time to to get back into it. And over the last three or so games, you know, he's really shot the ball very well. And I think him and Duarte as a duo going into the, the postseason is really going to do some damage. But uh, with this uh, fourth Pac-12 regular season title in the last six years, they're now tied with Arizona for the most in the Pac-12 era. And they shared one. I think it was like 2013. They shared one. Um, yeah, that's right. I think it was a was it a three way tie between them and UCLA. Yeah, it could have been. Uh, but yeah, so I think obviously Dana Altman's teams, you know, it's kind of a tired uh, soundbite now, but they, they always play their best ball at this time of the year. And then this year was just another example of that. Yeah, I want to hit on the Will Richardson thing quickly because he did have a ridiculous shooting display, um, but he's been a trooper these last three games. In his last three games, 37 minutes and then the back-to-back 40-minute games where he didn't even come out of the game once. Um, this is the Will Richardson that we were talking about early in the year and how much they missed him. He's really taken this team over as kind of like a floor general. And he's in a, he's in a situation where he doesn't need to dominate the ball and do a ton for this team to win because they have, and we'll get into this, but four amazing forwards. Um, or if you want to call Duarte a guard, you can. Right. Um, he's just controlling the pace so well. Um, he, he's, he's so smooth in, in the, in the, pick and roll and transition. I um, mean, such a, you know, heady defender having him back, like you said, is going to make a huge difference. Um, and with that, let's, let's talk a little bit about, I guess, looking back how our expectations for the season panned out and then how the season turned out. Like I said, we, we both picked Oregon and we felt that they just had the most talent. And I think that that really kind of um, is shining through now. We also thought that Arizona State was going to be quite good, and they were not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it ended up being USC, um, a, a little bit of you know, action from Colorado and UCLA. Where are you with this team now, Chris? Um, do you is this where you expected them to be? I'm sure we'll talk about their lineup changes and some stuff they've done, but where are they um, compared to where you might have thought they'd be at this time of the year? Um, you know, I think the last eleven, or I think they've won ten of eleven. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think like the last 11 games, you know, minus that that game against USC where they just weren't clicking at all. Yeah, they um, got but shot I, out of the building early. 
yeah, like they're they're right where I expected them to be. And who knows, they might even be better if they didn't have the the COVID pause right in the middle of the season. That's there. right. That was a huge storyline. Yeah. So, you know, we both picked them and what can I say? Like they're they're the regular season champions. And I, I think they're a team that could go on a run late in March. I don't think any team in the country wants to play them when they're at their best. Have there been any players um, like it, it, we, we, there's been so many injuries with this team, right? Everything from Will Richardson early in the season to Dante tearing his ACL six, seven games in uh, Duarte missed a game in there. Uh, Eric Williams missed some games with COVID pause stuff, just players that have either disappointed you or, or really stood out and, and, and surprised you this year. Um, well, LJ Figueroa is one, I think we'd kind of be remiss not to mention, um, just what he does on both sides of the ball, you know, he, he's the, the front man in the, the press, you know, his length really causes problems, forcing those lob passes where Duarte or Richardson comes in and picks it off. That's been huge. Um, he's shown he can hit the three at times. He hasn't been the most consistent shooter. Second but, half of the uh, season, though, he's, he's hit a lot of them. Yes, definitely. He's really bumped his percentage up since up uh, the to beginning. about 37% now, yeah. Right, and I think there's – him, Eric Williams, Eugene, uh, Duarte and Richardson are all in that 36% and above, which is yep. incredible. Um, so I think LJ has really been a difference maker. It, it's hard to just single one guy out. Obviously, Duarte has been one of the best players in the entire country. Um, we could go on all day about him, and I could tell you all about uh, my projections for him and how he's going to do in the NBA because I'm a huge Duarte <laughs> fan. But uh, but, yeah, and, uh, another guy, Eugene Omarui, was, has been the mainstay in the lineup. I don't think he missed a game, started every single one. He, he's good for 18 and, and 8 every night. Uh, he's not the, the most efficient shooter at times. Sometimes he can get a little bit ahead of himself with the ball, what, he, what decision he's going to make. But uh, he's been great. Uh, one guy that I, I really wanted to see more out of and who I expected more out of is Chandler Lawson. Hmm. Okay. Um, I thought we were going to have the same name there. We don't. I'm glad. Yeah. So, so again, I don't want to uh, talk bad about Chandler Lawson. He's had a great season. You know, he plays his role very well. His length causes a lot of problems, but uh, his free throw shoot, shooting isn't great. Um, he doesn't get to the line that much either. And that might just be a minutes thing. But uh, I feel like since his freshman year, he's been kind of the same player over the last three years, which again, He's a quality role player. He started – he didn't start oh, the majority of the games. We started a lot of them. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how he does in the postseason. I don't I don't think he was too bad, but I, I wanted to see a little bit more out of him. How about you? What, what name you what you got in your head? Well, I just – you know, Lawson's a good one. He's still super young. I, I think this is, his, this is his second year, if I'm actually remembering that correctly. But he, he – you're right. I mean, his – he totally changed that UCLA game with his length and they, when they put him at the top right. of the press, and that was awesome to see. But yeah. he doesn't really do much on either side of the ball that stands out to you. He, like, knows where to be, but he's not a tremendous finisher. And because he's kind of, you know, skinny, even though he's got long arms, he's not an amazing rebounder or shot blocker. Um, he is one of those mainstay guys. I think he was the other guy, one of the other two guys. Uh, <laughs> my other guys also on this list are just guys that played every game. Mine is Amari Hardy. Um Omari Hardy didn't need to be great for this team to be great. And we saw that, but it just didn't seem like the same guy you saw at UNLV. Obviously he's going to have a different role coming in. We know that we knew that Um, he's not going to be a high volume scorer and shooter, but it just felt like he wasn't giving them anything. 
where mm-hmm. I, I watch these games, I don't remember a time I've seen a guard have more just like like travel and double dribble induced turnovers, like just dumb stuff like that. He didn't really shoot the ball well, nor did he finish very well at the rim or creatively off the dribble. Um, and, and it ended up being fine. But that's one reason that they are riding Will Richardson so hard minutes-wise now. Jalen Terry looked great. I mean, we can talk about who's excited us. Uh, mm-hmm. But he is still a freshman. Um, and so Amari Hardy got the nod a lot. But he just didn't do much for me in terms of me uh, moving the needle, I guess. Um, I, again, we don't want to dump on these guys too much. Um, but that would be one place I'd look at. Right. I, I will say, speaking of Hardy, uh, do you know his brother? I do. Jaden Hardy. Yes. I, I'm hoping that the uh, the Hardy connection, just like uh, we got uh, Lawson's brother coming next year, I'm hoping maybe Altman can talk Amari into convincing his brother to maybe make a commitment. Uh, for, for listeners, he's like, I think he's the number two prospect in the 2022 yeah, class right five now. star guard yeah so we'll, we'll hopefully a... <laughs> maybe we'll get a little bit of a, a boost in the recruiting there but i, I he might he might go g league yeah, yeah g league or something anyways let's let's um let's keep it moving here because there's so much we want to talk about let's talk surprises whether this is a player um or just a theme or trend of the season i'll start here um i mentioned jalen terry i've just loved what Terry and, and Kepnong have given the, uh, this team off the bench as, as, as freshmen. Um, they don't play every game. They don't play a lot of minutes, but they have this feeling when they're out there, they just bring this kind of childish, and I mean that in a good way, energy, especially Kepnong. He like totally leads the bench. Altman had this great quote about how he's like really bought in and has totally kind of uh, ignited the bench there. Um, on Oregon sideline and Terry is just a speed demon who plays with his hair on fire. So guys didn't play a ton, but I'm excited to see more in the future. The the trend I want to talk about though, the thing that I feel like we have to hit on is what the ducks have been running out as a starting lineup. About five games ago, Altman decided to go with this small lineup where he's starting Will Richardson, who's six, four, six, five, and then four, six, six guys and Chris Duarte, who I, I think is the clear, Front runner for Pac-12 Player of the Year. We'll see. Um, Eugenio Morier, um, Eric Williams, and LJ Figueroa. It's a lineup that can defend hellaciously on the perimeter, super quick with the press, and shoot the lights out. You mentioned it. So Figueroa is at 36.8, and then Eric Williams is at 37, but Richardson is basically 39, Eugene's 38, and Chris Duarte 44% from three. So they can all shoot it. What have you thought about that lineup? And then feel free to take that wherever else with your surprises. Oh yeah. It's been, it's been great. Uh, like you said, when they're shooting, when they're on, it's, they're deadly. Um, I, I think over the last, you know, this last stretch of, of 10 or so games, the, the rotation itself is really tightened up. Uh, you saw a lot less Terry, of course, Richardson being back had a lot right. to do with that. Um, Kepnong, he, he played, more minutes, I feel like, when he first came on than, like, the last five or so games. Like, they've totally, a couple they've totally gone small. Yeah. Yeah. There's, he, he's got a couple DNPs. But, you know, having Kepnong as the Ducks get further into the postseason, having him to match up with a team who has a solid big guy. Uh, like, for example, in the USC game, 
he, he didn't play a lot of minutes, but when he was on Mobley, uh, Mobley had some problems. Of course, it's hard to contain such a talented uh, big man, but Kepnong's a guy you can throw at a big guy like that. With his athleticism and his energy, he can cause some problems. He just got to um, learn how to yeah. play a little bit more. He's got all yeah, the raw, he's raw potential, and he throws his body around sometimes to his own dre- uh, detriment. But I, I do agree there that that could be big. Um, the, the lineup is interesting because all their all their guards and forwards in that lineup rebound really well too, and you have to. There haven't been that many games, even once they went to this lineup, where they've been out-rebounded this season. Um and they're still able to score in the paint. They are, they're all just tough physical defenders. I do wonder, though, like if, if they if like a, a, a talented big man is going to hurt them. Like Mobley is that guy talent wise, but he's not really big or, or super mm-hmm. physical. And so for a smaller defender, I would imagine that being a little easier because he likes to play more on the perimeter. He's more of a mismatch for other big men than for a wing, per se. Right. But I mean, we both watch the Big Ten a lot because we're from the Midwest. Some of these Big Ten teams that are really like, uh, just discipline in terms of the way they play defense and move the ball and stuff. If I'm thinking of the Michigan's Illinois, and this is down the road, but some of those teams I think could really hurt this team. Oh yeah, totally. But you know, on the other end, I don't think there's a team that wants to play Oregon. Like if, if whoever is, whoever uh, Oregon can potentially face in that sweet 16 elite eight area uh, if you're, for example, like you said, Michigan or Illinois, if you're one of those like top one, two or three seed, you do not want to face the no, Ducks. Not um, at all. Especially, you know, with how well they've been playing recently. And again, that small lineup, I think in March, guard play matters a lot more than big play. Totally. Um, so moving forward, again, it's going to be interesting to see the matchups, of course. Um, but Again, this small line has been so good. I don't see why you should change it up. So I, I'm glad you going. mentioned that, though, because um, you're talking about the guard play. If you're a, like a high-volume guard who handles the ball a lot and, and scores a majority of your team's points, Oregon might be like top three in terms of the least favorable matchups in the nation because right. they can throw any of those five guys at you. I mean – Duarte is top three for Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, too. Um, leads the league in – or maybe second league in steals. But he, he can he can block shots. Omori – Omorui, uh, excuse me, is so physical. And then Figueroa was the guy that they threw on Tiger Campbell in that UCLA game, uh, which is UCLA's point guard. He did a great job. We know Wilchinson is, is a great defender. And Eric Williams, he's, he's springy. He's fast. I mean – if that's the guy you're targeting, I, I guess good luck, you know? So Yeah, exactly. And, you know, part of that is the scheme too, you know, all this defense. It, it's perfect for these types of players because even if you got a, a big guy in the middle, you got Duarte, Richardson, Figueroa slashing at him all day. So it, they cause a lot of problems for, for offenses. Yeah, this coaching job is, I want to say, one of Allman's better ones just in that how he's brought this team together after they lose a guy like Dante, who kind of figured to be like one of their big guys this year. And he was never in shape. That was one thing mm-hmm. we talked about, but with this, with this lineup, he's, he's got guys cause he's not really an offensive coach. I, I think he, he, he does some read and react stuff, not much pick and roll. It's a lot based on player uh, creativity on the perimeter and whatnot and vision. Um, but with these five guards, 
they all move the ball and they can all shoot it. So that kind of fits. And then he is so good on the defensive end, coaching defense and effort. And then just a, a wizard knowing when to throw the press out. I mean, that press can get yep. them back in games, like 10 points at two minutes or a lead very quickly. So I'm, I'm super excited to see that. Let's, let's switch gears though, really quickly. And, and I want to talk about the PAC 12 tournament. And we're talking a little bit about March Madness ducks first are going to head down um, to Vegas this week, or they might already be there actually. And um, they're going to face uh, the winner of, of, of Washington state ASU. Let's go through and just give our, our picks super quickly. Um, let's start with that game. Who do you have winning that game? Um, I'll give it to ASU. Just uh, Remy Martin's, he's the top scorer in the league. He can take over a yeah, game. Yeah. They've been disappointing this year. Uh, Wazoo showed flashes, but yeah, give me Arizona State there. I think that's a good pick. Um, I will go Wazoo. I think their guards are tremendous. And I did just think ASU is underperformed all year. Uh, Washington, Utah should be a pretty easy one, I'm guessing. Yeah, give me Utah. Washington has been deplorable. Not so good this year. Yes. Yeah. We'll put it nicely. Uh, Cal, Stanford. Stanford getting healthy at the right time, maybe. Yeah, give me Stanford. You know, same thing with Washington. Cal really hasn't been impressive at all. Um, and Oscar De Silva, is he, I'm assuming he's going to be playing. Yeah, it's looking um, like that. Yeah, so yeah, give me Stanford there. I'll take Stanford as well. Uh, moving on, Oregon State, UCLA, the 4-5 matchup. I'll go Beavs. Interesting. Uh, I, right. I've, I've not been impressed with UCLA at all this year, honestly. Um, they've, they've won a decent amount of games, uh, but they're on a couple games skid here. I think they ended up finishing fourth. Oh, yeah, they're the four seed. So, yeah, give me, uh, give me the Beavs there. I think they're a tough matchup. I like UCLA. I think UCLA is talented. They've fallen, obviously, in the past week or so. But I, I like UCLA there. Um, all right. Uh, Oregon, then. Uh, the one seed versus, uh, I guess, <laughs> for you, it's ASU. For me, it's uh, Wazoo. Who would you have winning that one? I'll go Oregon. As will I. I think that's a pretty easy one. Um, yep. USC versus Utah? Uh, USC. Uh, I agree. I think they're U too Utah's, Yeah, Utah is fine. But, yeah, like you said, USC, they're just too good. Here's an interesting one. Colorado, Stanford. What do you got there? That's tough. Um, I'm going to stick with my guard play is important and go with McKinley Wright and the Buffs. I don't hate that. Um, I'm going to go with Stanford, though. I think that's a nice little upset brewing there, especially now that they got Zaire Williams back. Okay, let me uh, get our bearings here. That would mean uh, Oregon versus UCLA. Or yeah, I Oregon got, State. I got, yeah. Oregon I got State Oregon. Oregon, Oregon State in the semifinals. Um, I think you see a lot of what we just saw on Sunday and give me Oregon going to the championship. I will also say that they down UCLA again, although they could get tripped up there. Um, USC, Colorado for you. Uh, that would be tough. Colorado just knocked off USC a couple of weeks ago, um, but I'll go USC. They got the best player in the conference other than Duarte. I mean, if you want to say Duarte is the best, but most talented, we'll go with Mobley and USC. I agree there. I'll go USC over Stanford. And that brings us to Oregon versus USC, a little rematch from that game that they played where USC really dominated them, got off to a hot start. Ducks made it close at the end, but couldn't pull it out in Los Angeles. Chris, who do you have winning the Pac-12 uh, tournament? Uh, you know, uh, it'll be a good rematch. Like you said, 
not so good of an effort last time these two played, but give me the Ducks. You know, I picked them to win the regular season. They ended up winning the regular season. Just going to ride the hot hand and pick them to win the tournament. I think they are too. Um, I, I, I like to be objective, and I, I just do think they are the most talented and the best team in the Pac-12 right now. Um, quickly, before we get out of here, I, I'm going to have Carly on a sec to talk women's basketball. Before we get out of here, let's talk about March Madness. They're projected right now, I think, as a seven seed. Um, I think if they win the Pac-12 tournament, that they could slide up to six, five, maybe as high as four, although I'm not sure. They don't have a lot of quadrant one wins. They have, I think, only one ranked win right now. So that's why they're so low. Um, where do you see them slotting and seeding-wise, and then what is their ceiling? Um, yeah, like you said, I think they're like a six or seven projection right now. If they do end up winning the, the tournament, the Pac-12 tournament, I could see them going as high as four. Um, but I think five, six is would be reasonable. Um, you know, like like I said, no one wants to play this team. Um, their ceiling, in my eyes, is maybe final four as a very high ceiling elite eight as a more realistic ceiling. Um, but I think they're going to get at least one win in, in March Madness. How about you? Yeah, I think one and I really think two even is, is, is probably almost guaranteed. Mm. I know they're going to have maybe a kind of a shitty matchup depending on where they ended up being seated. I just think they are rolling at the right time. And this is a team that really makes sense with Almond's coaching. I agree. I think, I think elite eight is probably, um, maybe their ceiling again. I, nothing surprises me when you have such a talented coach with this many guys, um, that can shoot the ball and defend in March, but I'll, I'll be safe. Or I guess we're, <laughs> we're making a bold prediction in saying elite eight. Right. So I don't know if safe is <laughs> the right word there, but I'll go elite eight. Um, I'm going to be down there, hopefully covering it. So it should be a blast in, uh, Indiana. Chris, thank you for joining me as always. Um, we're going to transition here in a second, talk about some women's hoops with Carly. Um, but that'll do it for the men's section. Thanks, Chris. Yep. Thank you. All right, we're back. Now I'm joined by Carly Abasuya. Carly, uh, you just got back from Las Vegas where you were covering the uh, Oregon Ducks in the Pac-12 tournament. Um, it ended a little bit abruptly, maybe uh, a little quicker than we would have expected you would have liked, given that you traveled down there. You got back, what, today, right? Yeah, this morning. Tell us about that trip. Um, what was it like being down there? What was the atmosphere with COVID? And then um, expand on, I guess, your thoughts on the Ducks performance down there as well. The first thing I noticed when I got down there was, honestly, there wasn't a lot of media covering it, like all together, whether that was national or local papers. So I was kind of surprised by that. But we weren't allowed to go on the court. We can only access like certain sections. So it was definitely under COVID restrictions, which I like. Um, so they definitely had a lot of supervision and like things you can't go to or stuff like that. Um, overall for the Ducks, I mean, I feel like everyone was pretty disappointed with how short <laughs> that tournament was for them, especially the team themselves. They talked about it after they said, we weren't expecting our trip to be this short and no one did honestly. So I think it was just kind of a learning experience for the whole team and just to kind of reflect on how they've been playing the past few games. 
That's a good point. Graves was pretty adamant about that. Um, look, I know they were only a four seed, but it's, I mean, women's basketball in the Pac-12 is, is something special. It's a pretty stacked yes. conference. So being the four seed and being that young and still being a four seed, and, and look, it was a four or five matchup. It's not a mm-hmm. terrible upset or anything like that. Right. Uh, it, it, it's hard to see this team lose back-to-back games to Oregon State. You don't see mm-hmm. that all too often. Um, it, it's kind of hard to be a team two or three times um, in succession in college basketball. Right. Uh, it, the, the media thing is interesting because uh, in, in most years at those tournaments, us as reporters, we get to go into the locker rooms, you get to walk around and you get some mm-hmm. of the best interviews of the year and you can write a lot of features and stuff. And not only did you not get to do that, but it's been hard to even meet with um, players media wise this year. Yeah, it was so different because there were parents there. There were parents allowed in the stands for the first time. So I thought that was a great opportunity to maybe talk to some parents while they were there, but they had their own separate entrance that we couldn't even go near. So that was blocked off. But again, I'd rather have people be safe than not, you know, just freelance and walk all over the place. But um, overall, it was pretty, pretty strict, which is, you know, good and bad, I, I would say, but yeah well let's let's hope that it is also strict when you head down um to san antonio for march madness possibly yeah they just kind of lifted the uh lifted the 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 mask um mandate down there so that'll be uh, something to figure out for another day let's let's talk ducks though um reflecting on the season because i think that game was a little enigmatic of their entire season um, with some mm-hmm. of the trends we saw kind of lack of scoring from the guard position Tahina Pow Pow. I mean, that's a big storyline. I can't believe we've already been talking for mm-hmm. five minutes and haven't hit on that yet. Um, you'll have to remind me exactly what the injury is, but in a walking boot was out for that game and had missed a few other games. And then it's looking like we'll miss almost all of the tournament. Um, maybe if the ducks make a deep run, which is probably unlikely mm-hmm. that she could come back. Um, in terms of just watching, I mean, the stats are one thing, but what are the Ducks missing without someone like Pow Pow running the point? I mean, like you said, she's running the show when they have the when she has the ball in her hands and she's you know navigating and commanding that offense. It just flows so much better. Shooters can shoot where they want to shoot at. They get to their open spots, such as you know Bowley or Mysel. I mean, Mysel had a great game against Oregon State in the tournament, but without Papao's way to facilitate and just control the flow of the offense. It's a really, really big piece that the Ducks are missing going into the tournament, which is, you know, what they've been working all season for. So it's looking like she's not going to be able to compete unless they get deep in the tournament. And that's a huge loss for not only offense, but defense as well. She usually matches up with, you know, the other team's point guard and is pretty solid. She's improving on her defense a lot, but overall, she's a big loss. For Oregon and they're gonna have to adjust for sure you wrote about this a little bit in your piece that came out um this morning we're recording this on Monday it probably won't be out for a few days but it, it came out this morning on Monday um you have some takeaways from that game you wrote about some people that are gonna need to to step up in 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 lieu of um pow pow who who are some some players you think are poised for bigger roles or or need to step up if the Ducks have a chance to make any modicum of a run in March? First person that pops into my head is Taylor Mikesell. I mean, 
the last game against Oregon State, she had 24 points, most of them in the second half. And I was like, where is that spark from the last Oregon State game? Where has that been all season? Where is that fight? So that's a player that I could see. Definitely, she's had playoff experience before. She knows how to play in these high-pressure games. So when she had that big game against Oregon State, I was like, where is that? all season you know what I mean so she's definitely one person who can step up Taylor Chavez as well she hasn't had a great season granted COVID and you know things going on but she's another veteran leader that can definitely step up so they don't need a huge contribution from this one person but if you know Parrish and Maddie Shear could chip in a little bit on offense and Angela yeah, Jubilee so yeah exactly she's another yeah. person too so they have so many people who can just if they score like maybe six, eight points, you know, a game that could really, really help them because Pow Pow's not there either. So having other players step up is going to be super important for the tournament. It's been weird because Oregon fans, us as writers, we all kind of got used to these high octane, like high scoring Oregon offenses <laughs> where you had not only Sedona, um, excuse me, not Sedona. Sabrina, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sabrina, um, Ruthie, and and Savly, who could all give you twenty on any given night. Scoring has been a lot harder to come by this year, and it's a super young team. It's super talented, and they still had a good season. But mm-hmm. most of the games they lost were to ranked opponents. Yeah, and that's yeah. understandable. But the thing that was holding them back, it seemed like a lot of those games, is they weren't able to go shot for shot with some of these teams. Yeah. And when you look down the list of just even just point per game, I know there's more to it than points per game, but point per yeah. game averages for some of some of these players, I wouldn't say it's like worrisome, but I, I feel like some of them have been kind of disappointing in their offensive output. And people you thought they looked so good in these supporting roles, now they're juniors. Yep. Even like you thought maybe they'd have bigger seasons. Exactly. I, I point to like Aaron Bowley, um, mm-hmm. Donna Prince, like didn't do much on the board. She was hurt a lot. Right. I know that. Um, Chavez who, too. Chavez. I mean, yeah. uh, who's been, I guess, disappointing in terms of not maybe meeting expectations. And then on, on, a, on a happier note, let's talk about some people that have maybe exceeded expectations. I think Taylor Chavez is someone not I've necessarily been disappointed in, but someone who I can definitely see improving a lot more, taking on that leadership role. Like I said before, she did have like some COVID problems and things like that, but this is her time to shine. You know, her freshman year, she didn't play in the tournament, didn't play at all. And then last year she had that supporting role, but like besides Sab and, you know, the big three. So I thought this was her year to really come out in her own, take that leadership role. Like they were missing in the games that they lost, they were really missing that one, that one leader, one or two leaders who just need to either step up like off the court, on the court, say like they need that leadership and that's what they're missing this year. And I would assume that Chavez would be the person to do that. Right. When you have a young team and people that are new to the program, that kind of happens. Yeah, they need that one or two players just to step into that leadership role, take command, you know, so I would hope that some of the vets would be able to do that. Not so much just Shelly, but I feel like more either Chavez or Bully. I know Bully's kind of quiet off the court, but I think Taylor could definitely, definitely help with that. And then and then who are who are some players that have exceeded your expectations? 
I would say Niara, she hit the ground off running. I mean, that first game, she went 10 for 10, 9 for 9 or something like that. And she's been solid ever since. So, like, a lot of double-doubles throughout the season. I'm not sure on the exact number. But she's been producing and she's been reliable for them. And, you know, they can't rely on their bigs all the time. The guards have to step up and do their job, too. So, it's easy to get the ball in the paint, but they got to finish. So, I would say that Sobley has exceeded my expectations on her being consistent. I would say she's the most consistent out of all the players so far. I, I totally agree. And and it's, it's nice to see because she's been around, this is what her third year in the program first year mm-hmm. really playing because of those injuries, which are just yeah. heartbreaking. And we'll see what happens with eligibility and everything else. But it seems like you know, in her first season of playing, she was great. You talk about the, the points, the rebounds, the double mm-hmm. doubles, the impact, just the size. Um, she even shot some threes here and there, not a yeah. lot. Um, so who knows how many years she'll be in the program, but that was a bright side. I, I guess I, another thing besides Tahina, because that would be the person you'd point to, uh, yeah. any other, any of the, of the freshmen maybe uh, go above and beyond what you thought? I would say out of the freshmen besides Tahina. Um, well, Kylie Watson hasn't really been in the rotation a lot. Maddie Shear has been okay. Sydney Parrish started a couple games and she's been doing pretty well. I mean, she got up into that starting lineup for a couple games, I believe, earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's been one who's really stepping up and Grace has really relied on her as well for that shooting and just that boost that they need. So she's been really great. Maddie Shear is still their best on-ball defender. That's why she started against Oregon State, um, against Leah Goodman. And she, I thought she did a great job. So they need it. Those freshmen need to really just find their roles and their niche and what they're good at. Parrish, if she gets her shot going, great. Sheer lockdown defense. So they really need to find those roles. And once they do that, I feel like they can really come together and produce. Speaking of coming together, um, they'll have some some more games. They're not quite done yet. They will play <laughs> in the tournament. Um, do you have any idea where they might slot in uh, seed wise after kind of a disappointing loss this season? Um, and then I guess, what is their ceiling in terms of what round they might get to? I would say, well, the most recent AP rank rankings, not tournament, but just rankings, they were, they dropped down to 23rd, which is, I think the lowest that they've been this season. So because not, of those not two totally surprising. Season, yeah. Right. Not surprised, but I think when it comes to the bracket coming out next Monday, that's going to be a tough one. I see them maybe in the middle of the pack, to be honest, because you have with the brackets that are out now, the supposed ones, they have UConn, Baylor. Um, I don't know who else is in their mock bracket, but they have some really heavy hitters in that in the regional bracket. So I say maybe six or seven out of the 16. I think that's safe. I, they, I think they're they're given benefit of the doubt because they are playing in the Pac-12, which yeah. is such a good conference because they, yeah. they have lost a lot of big games. And, and unlike yeah. the men's team that I just talked about with Chris kind of gaining steam, they have had kind of a, a fizzle out effect here yeah. at the end. And part of it's that pow, pow injury and whatnot. Um, do you think this is a team that can win multiple games in the tournament? I say without pow, pow, the, their ceiling would be Sweet 16 because that regional bracket is just so full of great I think teams. That's, and it does, yeah. Yeah. And it does worry me that they have lost against every single top 10 team 
that they've played against. That does worry me going into a tournament where everyone is qualified, like like the teams that they've lost to. So I would say ceiling would be Sweet 16, but I do see them getting past maybe the first or second rounds. I, I agree with you. Uh, it'd be funny to see. Let's let's hope so because we would hate to send you another tournament where they get <laughs> they get uh, kicked out right away by losing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's tough because it's so different and expectations had to be completely reset after what we've seen from them the last two, three years. Um, They're not expected to go deep. Like you said, Um, that doesn't mean they can't, they have, they have the talent. um, And there's this crazy thing that always happens in March where unexpected players kind of step up to the plate and uh, without sounding too cliche, uh, some stars are born in March. So maybe it's one of the guards, maybe it's one of the freshmen, who knows? I, I think they have some players, though, that are capable of stepping up in, in Pow Pow's wake, like we've talked about. Um, briefly, let's talk about – it's a rewind. I did this with Chris at the start of uh, the, the, the men's section. I guess that we kind of saved to the end here. Mm-hmm. Now that the regular season and the Pac-12 tournament are done, where did this team land expectation-wise um, to where where you thought they might be towards the start of the year when we talked about them heading into the season and heading into Pac-12? I think it's when we talked at the very beginning before the season, I think I put them around, like obviously top four, top five, and that's kind of where they landed. You know, the Pac-12 for women's is very top heavy, especially the past two or three years, I'd say, with Arizona, UCLA, and Stanford. So I Oregon, Oregon goes in yeah, they beat yeah. up on the on the on the bottom of the Pac-12, and then they lose to the teams up top. Yeah, see, that's their downfall too. Is they beat up on the teams that they're supposed to, but when it comes to the big shots, they haven't been. They haven't and been. They've winning. been close. Graves, they've been close, which they've is good. But it's also close. a little worrisome that they haven't pulled out even one of them. You know, when you play exactly. so many ranked teams, um, I think you you start you see teams get usually one of those. And again, like I I realize how that sounds because the Pac-12 is so good. But like, again, like I know this team had so much turnover, but there's no reason to totally expect them to tank after losing that trifecta of awesome players to the WNBA. Right. Um, Cause everybody else on this, this roster is skilled. Um, I, I think you're right in, in, in saying that. I believe I, I kind of agreed with you when we did that podcast that they yeah. would be maybe the, the first team in that second tier of top, top pack right. team something like that right. um and it, and it seems like they kind of had the season we were expecting although maybe a few more losses versus ranked teams um yeah even graves said himself he said at the at the end of the oregon state game in the tournament he said we just got to get it together we have to produce so we'll see if they actually get it together because he's been saying that all season to be honest and, you know, I'm waiting for that time to step up. And the time is it's now. It's win or go home. So they need to do it now. <laughs> Last question before we get out of here. If they had to, if you had to pinpoint one player, and you, you said Taylor Chavez earlier, so maybe that's, that's your answer here. But one player that is the surprise star or just the MVP for Oregon in March, no matter how many games they kind of win, how far they go, who's that player for you, Carly? I'd stick with Taylor. Because Sobley, as we've seen, has been pretty consistent and reliable, obviously the most on the team. Um, Aaron Bowley could, ha- could have, but 
it's Taylor's time. You know, she hasn't really been producing that much lately. I don't think she's hit in any games that she's played. I don't think she's hit over 10 points. So I think this is her time to step up as a leader on the court and step up, you know, producing offensively. So, and she's also a great defender as well. So she can impact the game in so many ways with her leadership and her shooting and her defense. So that's my high hope for this team. She's my surprising player. I would definitely say, what about you? Tough. I might, I might cheat and go two players here. I might go a combination of Taylor, Mike, Sell and Aaron Bowley, just that uh, two players that have been here before. Um, I know there's yeah. other players on the roster, but Mike Sell uh, with, with Maryland and then uh, Bowley's a senior, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's going to want to go out with a bang. And I think he's capable of it the way she's been shooting it from deep all year. Um, yeah. Official prediction. Are you, uh, how many games do you think they'll win? Official prediction. Let's hear it. Official prediction. I say two games. And All right. All right. I will. I will <laughs> we'll see. I will play devil's advocate. Um, I think without Pow Pow, they're really going to struggle, and I think they they win, and then they, I think they lose that following game. But I hope they prove me wrong for bo- both of our sakes, because I want you yep. to have a fun time down there covering it. Um, <laughs> That'll do it for us today. Uh, make sure to stay tuned with all the content we've been pushing out on the website, um, as well as our Twitter at ODE Sports. Um, both Carly and I, again, fingers crossed, hopefully we'll be heading down to cover the um, NCAA tournament. Um, she'll be going to San Antonio. I'll be going to Indiana. Um, and let's just – Indianapolis, mostly, to be specific. Let's just hope that um, – between now and then in a few weeks, uh, nothing crazy happens. Although my, my level of confidence there, <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, Carly, thank you for joining me as always. Um, and thank you guys for listening.